Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. So I finally did it, man. I broke down. Did you do what I did? I don't know. I think so. Probably. Like I finally, you know, I mean, here's the thing, right? State by state, we all knew it was coming. Uh-huh. Going to have to get the stick, right? So I was like, yeah. Mm. Looking at uh, Drill Weekend coming up here in the near future, and I'm like, mm, okay, well, do I let the Army give it to me, or do I take uh, take it into my own hands? So I did. The Army's been giving it to you for 20 years. Right. I decided to uh, avoid a little bit of the green weenie, just take the weenie and get my Fauci ouchie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I did. I did. So I did the uh, J&J. The, the one and done. Yeah, the one and done. And so I went in, I, I, I went online and I'm like, screw it. All right. Da, da, da. I uh, went to high V and I'm like, all right. Uh, and they got me they, an appointment that night. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I go in and uh, I get there and I'm like, yeah, I got a appointment scheduled for five 30. And they're like, yeah, we don't see you. And I'm like, well, I have the email confirmation that says I'm supposed to be here at five 30. And they're like, that's no, okay. We'll get you. So I get in there. I sit down I'm like waiting for my shot. And I was talking to the nurse uh, who uh, was going to administer the shot. And I'm like, you know, I really don't want to do this, but I'm at that point where I got to get it done. So I'm going to mm-hmm. do the one and done. That's why I went with the J&J. You know, 85% accu- accuracy, whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well, I'm waiting. I'm like, you know what? Can I get my flu shot the exact same time? She goes, yeah, absolutely. I said, oh. all right, let's do this. You're a brave man. Yeah. So I went Braveheart, full Braveheart in in the needle room, and uh, got my got my J and J in my left arm and my flu shot in the right arm, and I was good for about eight hours. You're listening to Eyes Forward March, a podcast geared towards building the core of the non-commissioned officers. Heat up your MRE, crack open a cold rippet, and join your platoon daddies, Sergeant Bacon and Sergeant Seagar as they continue to build networking skills, have some laughs, uplift morale, and talk about daily issues soldiers face. Let's begin. All right. Well, after a brief intermission, <laughs> here we are, back at it again. And um, we're going back to the- uh, Oh, the Mega Pimp. That's mega, what we're calling it, Mega Pimp. I, I mean, no, what I else like, would you call it? I like it? it, actually. Yeah. The Mega Pimp episodes. The lost episodes. The lost. <laughs> They're not so lost. Um, yeah. So I think tonight, how do you feel about? You, you know, uh, I was thinking about this because we we have a few yeah more left in our mega pimping series. Yes, I think wouldn't it be cool to see what we can do with Stay Wild Trauma Child? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm game. Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, you've listened to Stay Wild Trauma Child, yeah. another one of the great podcasts yeah. on the Creative Brain Candy Network. I don't know. What should we expect from this? Uh, what do we <laughs> ever expect? <laughs> well, the okay. wheels not to so fall off. Let, right. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do here on Ice Forward March. Uh, but I mean, what is the Stay Wild Trauma Child podcast all about? Oh, okay. Well, it's about uh, two fine young ladies that uh, experienced some traumatic events. Uh, one lost a, I'm not sure if they were hus- husband yet or not, or just boyfriend. And then the other one was a uh, like her best friend due to a domestic uh, incident. So 
it's kind of a little and very close together too. yeah within a few months of each other and i think they ended up actually living together but i think what's really cool about uh their idea the content that they create is that people they experience traumatic yep. events in their life and it's all about how you handle those traumatic events and i really like the fact that their friendship which might have been yay big before these traumatic events became way big after these traumatic events and i think that's important because your friends your family your loved ones the people who you care about and the people that care about you i think those are the best resources to use to be able to deal with those types of events absolutely yeah it's people that know you and experience those those uh, situations with you and um, can help work work through those events with you so absolutely uh check out stay wild trauma child on the creative brain candy network uh i know they're on itunes i'm pretty sure they're on spotify and stitcher and just about anywhere else you can get your great content brought to you by the creators of creative brain candy network but how sergeant bacon just how are we going to spin or put our efm twist on this all right. First, I think uh, I want to dedicate this to um, three of my really good friends who I've lost since 2003 to various reasons. But those people are Albert, um, Brad, and Luke, all of who you know have been um, made an impact on my life and um, really kind of got me to here. I think throughout our military careers, whether we spend our standard six, our eight, 10, 20, 30, and even more, whether we realize it or not, we meet so many great people. And I think sometimes it's hard to, to realize that even if I meet you for a brief period of time, because I met you through the military, that means so much, that has so much weight. I know you because we're brothers and sisters in arms. Now we might not have the greatest relationship in the world because everybody's different. But when you hear about, and this is gonna go into two parts for sure. me and then I'll let you continue. For me, two parts, maybe we don't, spend a whole lot of time together and maybe we spend all the time in the world together. But when I, for instance, deployed with a soldier in 2003, 2004, I didn't know them very well, but I knew them and I deployed with them. When he got out of the military, I didn't hear from him for years or about him for years. And all of a sudden he was, uh, he was working on a roof and slipped off, slipped off a roof and ended up dying. And though I didn't know that person very well, I still had an experience, a life experience with that person. And that hurts. You meet people, even if it's for a short period of time, and then, you know, your lives go wherever they go. And then all of a sudden the worst case scenario you happen, you hear through the grapevine, the alumni, that something traumatic has happened. But on the other side of that is 
thinking about how no today the army sucks everything that's going on sucks everything sucks this sucks that sucks but one day somewhere down the road whether it's just after six years or 10 years 20 years or 30 years one day it's going it's going to be the day for you and i to hang our hat on the hook and say love you but it's my time to move on well i mean you've deployed i've deployed a few times each so you get into these situations and these deployments and um you know the army sucks but a deployment can suck a lot more and when you're 23 24 years old and you don't know what to expect and you're off in some crazy country i fortunately all three times i've had one of my brothers in one deployment had both my brothers with me brothers in arms no my actual brothers actual oh shit okay yeah. so it makes it a whole lot easier when you got stuff going on back home you can talk to your actual brother and mm -hmm. <laughs> you know work through things that way but also you develop a relationship with other soldiers where they are brothers in arms but they are basically family yeah um, you you can as you see them walking across the motor pool you can tell who it is just by how they're walking, how they, you know, they've got a limp on the right side or whatever. And every third step you see them hop or you know, whatever the case is. Your biometric gait. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm not, I'm not. No, it's not guy. a joke though. It's not. It's, it's a it's thing. Not. I mean, you, you literally after four or five months, easy. Yeah. You can see somebody 500 yards out and just by the way they're moving. Yep. You know exactly who that is. Yep. When you're deployed, right, you see these people every day, right? You sleep across, you know, on a cot. You sleep across the uh, the tent from them. You get to you know, look at their stupid face every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you get home, a lot of times, like you said, a lot of times everyone just kind of goes to the four, four winds and you may – or may not keep in touch with some of these people and in others, you know, they're calling you up in a year. Hey, you want to be in my wedding? Oh, for two sure. years later, you're calling them. Hey, you want to be in my wedding? Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the, that bond is just there. And, you know, when you get a phone call saying, Hey, um, they found Albert this morning or, Hey, you know, Brad's in the hospital or, you know, Luke had a heart attack. Um, that hits you really in a weird place. Yeah, it really does. You know, here, here's people that, you know, you, you've literally trusted with your life to have your back and you had theirs, you know, that safety net is gone and you're like, well, what do I do now? Um, That's really weird to think about that too. Cause uh, you know, when you're in the moment, when you're on that deployment, it's just a bunch of soldiers. Yeah. That, that, that it's funny too, because 
when you're gearing up, when you're getting ready to mobilize, you're just a bunch of people getting together to do this thing, this mission, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and whether you expect it or not, you don't realize how close you really become. And even right. thinking about it after the fact, I have so much more in common with my brothers and sisters that I've deployed with than I have in common, not even that I have personally deployed with, just with other soldiers that I meet, such as yourself, just randomly. Like, yeah, I've deployed. I know what you're talking about, all the experiences. You remember coming back from the first deployment, getting in your vehicle for the first couple times, driving down the road, and every single little piece of trash on the side of the road was an IED? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's not, true. Not that it was literally like that, but it was like, Ooh, what, what is that? What is that? Yep. What is, you know? Or uh, you uh, you jump out and you reach in the back seat for your for your uh, M16 that's not there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Pro mask. Where the hell is that thing? Yeah. Uh, you know, and then life goes back to normal. Nor- a normal. Yeah, a normal. I don't think it goes back to the same normal. And just a normal. The new, yeah. you know, they it, throw around the term "new normal" all the time now, but I mean that's not really yeah. what it is. I don't, I don't think that after deployment, your life ever goes back <laughs> to normal. It goes to a normal, right. a new a normal. Uh, as you're sitting around in the in the uh, the briefing room, and somebody brings up one of the one of the antics, you know that uh, that you pulled. And everyone's around the rooms looking at you like, seriously, you you, you did that, mm-hmm. you know, because now you're, let's say, more mature, but uh, you have a different image to the people that didn't deploy with you than the people that did. I think that's actually a great point. Somebody who is deployed, it, everybody's different. Everybody is their own person. But for for myself... And I think maybe you might be in the same boat. You've deployed, you've experienced things. You know what kind of conversations and antics and shenanigans go on to entertain your brain during a deployment to make you feel normal, (laughs) to make you feel at home, even though you're thousands of miles away. And that becomes when you spend a year plus in another country in a combat or even a non-combat, but not combat environment, but a combat area where you're getting combat pay and crap's jacked up, whatever. Yeah. A theater. A theater. Yeah. Combat theater. That almost becomes so comfortable to you that it's a hard thing to break. And then you come home and you're trying to reintegrate into the civilian world. That's that that that's off-putting to people. I had this problem for the longest time when my wife, after my second deployment, uh, when my wife started inviting like her work friends to gatherings, or we would go to somewhere for her work, and it was really hard for me because when I would go out with them. I, 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 my mentality was if you can't handle a poop joke, we can't be friends. And I don't necessarily think that my wife's friends can't handle a poop joke. They're nurses for crying out loud. But I think it was where 
I was conducting myself. Like maybe at the at Fazoli's or whatever, you know, maybe that's not the right place to have poop joke conversations. I mean, poop jokes in are theater. It sure as shit is. I mean, right. maybe not in 2021, but in 2004 and 2010, it was. Stop me. <laughs> right. Right. Stop me from but, telling poop jokes. But that's a struggle. Right. When when you you have I've lived two years of my life. You have lived more than that. In a theater of operations, and and it's that stupid, that mentality, the dark humor. That's something that we get that I guess is not acceptable <laughs> to, in the world today. To the I don't, I, yeah, to those not, it's, it's basically like a secret handshake club, you know, because it's like yeah, people that never were in the military don't get it. Like they just they just don't. And, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe if they grew up in a military family, they might be exposed to it, but they just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they might get kind of the the overarching theme, I guess, but the actual, <laughs> some of the, you know, like we joke about the burn pit. And, oh, uh, the burn pit. So my first deployment, I ran a bulldozer and pushing garbage into the burn pit and so that's the joke because that's where i lost my hair was from all the fumes <laughs> at the burn pit <laughs> right uh, it just blows case, my mind but... <laughs> that have you ever done this before and this is why I, I don't know i struggle and i if i'm changing the subject stop no i feel no, like i it. sit here in my present chair and i look at the past and though i've seen and experienced so much bs and whatever i look at it now and i'm like how did it really affect me other than sure. it made me who i am today which is a pretty fucked up person <laughs> yeah that's too <laughs> uh, us but i look at that and no matter how fucked up no matter how bad no matter how shitty whatever how much like those are memories it's really hard to forget like yeah. so hard, I, I enjoy when somebody who I don't necessarily like walks up to me and they try to like tell stories and how I how oh we know each other because of this situation blah 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 and I'm like yeah no I was there but you're telling it wrong <laughs> right the way you uh, heard it. And, and and then I look at the future and and I'm like oh crap how many years of more crap and jacked up crap and da 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 and I don't want to go through it. But at the same time, I look at that point where I'm going to hang my hat on the coat hanger and I'm going to say, I'm done. I've done my time. I'm ready to move on. But I don't know if I ever really yeah. truly will be because this has become my life. And all the good stories that I love to tell other people have come from the military. And I think that's almost what I'm afraid of. Is that one day I'm no longer going to have to put on, I'm not going to have to shave my face. I'm going to be able to go full Lebowski. I doubt it. And You'll I'm, never and I'm, be the dude. No, I'll never be the dude. I want to be the dude, but I'll never be the dude. I might be the douche. Hey, douche. What's up? <laughs> but I'll never douche. be the dude. But here's the thing is that one day, that almost scares me more than anything, is that I'm going to run out of stories. Right. I'm not going to have those experiences. I'm going to lose contact with all those people that I actually enjoy hanging out with and talking to. So I've thought about that too. And the, so the way I prep myself for that piece is, you know, when I go to a school, 
much like uh, SLC, 99% of the time, those people just, you talk to them for six, eight months afterwards, and then they just vanish and you never hear from them again. Yeah. And so where we're different is we're still doing this. I mean, hell, we've hung out in the interim once or twice, once, soon to be twice. Um, <laughs> but you, you get used to that people where you build this bond with somebody for a month, right, at the school, right. and then they disappear. And it's like, okay, like, hey, we did, we, we had a lot of fun doing X, Y, and Z, and now you're gone. I still have those memories, right? I can still come up and I can tell you about something I did somewhere else and still share that with you. But then, and you could do the same, mm-hmm. right? And now, like, it, honestly, like a memory that we share and and so does what, that your soldiers when we built that radio box, right? That's, oh, that's yeah, a cool yeah. memory to have, yeah. right? So you think about it, right? You know, he's probably gonna be like, yeah, and then Seagard's random friend come over, and, <laughs> you know, from God knows where, and help, right? You know, well, I mean, I think, so, I mean, honestly, and I hate to say this, I hate to be be real, yeah, but if it, if if we didn't get together several times during school and just hang out and talk and keep each other's sanity because honestly if it wasn't uh for you in vegas i would have lost it <laughs> and because of the pandemic and everything oh, yeah. and nobody no, knew crazy. what the hell was going on and i was just like what the hell i i would have lost it but uh between uh you and vegas uh you guys helped me keep my my sanity and get through it uh, but if it wasn't for the fact that we kind of like I was getting into podcasting and and uh, trying to come up with a great idea and everything like that. And you were like, this sounds cool. And you put thought into it and we made it a reality. I mean, if it wasn't for this, I mean, how often would we communicate after that school? I, I hate to I hate to no. No, and I hate to put it on, put put it back into that category. Of, oh, you talk to somebody for three months afterwards, yeah. and then nothing. The the answer probably rhymes which with zero, sucks. I mean, right? I can't be more happy for anything. It, like, I don't give a shit if we have one listener. This podcast has kept us together. I mean, I I value your friendship and oh, uh, man. So I mean, that's why that's one of the reasons why I enjoy doing this and. And uh, number two, when I when I when my when my brain starts to get imbalanced, I I always know that I can talk to Sergeant Bacon. And he's going to bring me back down to earth. Well, I'll try anyway. Well, do damn well, good back job, down to man. back down to my earth. Not 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 where the other people are. But that's something to you look know? at. Is is investing a little bit more thought into how other people can help you directly or indirectly. And mm-hmm. investing more interest into that. Because if it wasn't for this podcast and we would have gotten to spend more time together and I would have gotten to know uh, all all the effort that you put into friendship but other people's health, then yeah, this podcast doesn't matter. I, I We would be talking all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that we were able to create this tool to, to get to where we are. Right. Uh, it's this crazy invention that two people can talk over a distance and 
you and, know, and share it with at least 22 other people who don't really care. <laughs> right. Or 10 uh, people who listen to it twice. Who knows? Or five people who listen to it four times, but let's not yeah, kid ourselves. One, yeah. We don't want to get wrapped into <laughs> the weeds. Or, or one person that listens to it 22 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least 21. I always listen to it at least once. Yeah. Same. Actually, I listen to it a whole lot more, but that's besides the point. <laughs> no uh but being able to to have this right when you know when you drive by a place that that you and and one of your your friends hung out with Mm -hmm. and it it kind of hits you and you're like man like i used to tear it up at that bar with these people and now they're not here oh yeah and to be able to come back and have somebody else who gets you that can make you kind of laugh and kind of um, just recenter, yeah, and bring you back and be like, you know what? Like, it's not, it's not the end. It's just the end of that chapter. And now it's the start of a new one. I can still go there and tear it up. It's just not fun to right. do. Right. I remember uh, for a few years, a small stint, uh, a sentence of three. I was uh, with a company and a great group of people so far away from the flagpole that you took care of your own. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that they do. And I I still believe that they're a a strong company because of that. But back when I was there, there was a uh, cook. And cooks, in my experience, are very underappreciated people. Because they may or may not have a talent for cooking. But either way, they're given crap to cook with. Now, some people just take that crap that they're given, cook it, and serve it. Then there's other cooks who go above and beyond and somehow, some way, take what the military provides them to cook and turns it gourmet. And while I was with this company, I, there was this cook. And he had, unfortunately, a very bad alcohol problem. But it wasn't at that time. Well, actually, that's what took his life was an alcohol problem that he developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but he, anyway, so his story is that he, uh, he was a, a nurse. He was an anesthesiologist, I think. And he okay. worked in the ER. Or maybe he was a nurse. He was a nurse in the ER. I, I know that much. Okay. And being a, a young army kid, well, I don't even know. And I don't even think at that point he was in the army. I just, basically the story is is that he thought that the patient who was about to get operated on was asleep under anesthetics or however you say the word. Yeah. Well. He decided for whatever reason, he was joking, you know, they're all like in a good mood. We're going to have a good surgery, da, 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 da. For whatever reason, he just decided to moon a nurse or a doctor or whatever. Okay. Turns out the patient wasn't asleep yet and caught it and filed a complaint when they got done with the surgery. So obviously his days as a nurse is done. (laughs) Yeah. So he joins the army and he becomes a cook. But he is such a magnificent cook that this kid would go to sleep early, knowing that he was going to get up at 11, 1130 at night, mm-hmm. 
walk into the kitchen and start making ham and cheese, grilled cheese sandwiches. He was going to cook for all the drunkards in the armory so that they could get some food in their stomach before they went to sleep. And it was delicious. It was good. I remember we went to an AT and we had, it was such a big AT that we actually had two cook tents. And our cook was in tent A and everybody else was in tent B. And it got to the point where everybody was going to tent A because the food was so good. It was like eating at a restaurant out in the field. It was that good. To the point where we had to have sergeant majors at the beginning saying, you're going to that tent, you're going to that tent, you're going to that tent, you're going to that tent. Wow. It was so good. <laughs> That's a good Such a have. great guy. Yeah. But eventually, eventually his depression caught on so bad. And at that time, this was years, years, years ago. At that time, we didn't pay attention to depression. You didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it. We didn't, we didn't push it. We, and, and so he, he took to the bottle. And it wasn't just bush lights, bud lights, till he was blackout drunk every night. It was like bottles of Jameson. Oh, jeebus. Bottles, I mean, just Jack Daniels, whatever it was. But he basically drank himself to death in a very short period of time. I hear it doesn't take long. Well, not not if if you want to make it happen, probably yeah. not. It just kicks my ass because here's a guy that had so much talent. I mean, went to school, became a nurse, working in the ER, doing great things. Made one stupid little thing. Made, made one stupid little decision. Joined the army. I think again, probably he mooned somebody or made an advancement. I have no idea. I'm just drawing a conclusion that could be completely false. But I think what happened in my own mind is that he repeated a mistake, even though he was great at everything he did. Yeah. He was such a great person, but he made one little mistake. And I think he repeated the mistake. Mm. And I think that made him feel like it was no matter what he does, no yeah. matter where he goes, he's going to continue to repeat this, the, that, that mistake and it's only going to get worse every single time. And I think that's why he ended up drowning himself. Sure. I mean, that dude should be, he, he should own a five-star restaurant. He should own a practice. I think he would have been amazing at anything he would have done. But I, a demon had him. Yeah. No, it's, and it's out there. Nobody, nobody recognized it. Nobody sat down and spent the time to to say, "Hey, get off my buddy's back." Yeah. Well, like you said, you know the thing was until I forget what year, like you didn't talk about mental health. Everyone was worried about mental health and the effect it would have on your career and your security clearance. So you just kept your mouth shut because, mm -hmm. um. Hey, I want to stay stay around. I want to stay in the organization, but I can't do that. And so, once they started seeing the spike in the suicide numbers, it was like, oh, wait a minute, this is this is a real thing, and we should really be um, taking care of our people. And then it became an open conversation. If you were having problems with mental health of any nature. You know, you were free to go speak to your commander or whoever without any negative 
and that was always the policy, but everyone was afraid that, it, you know, like, hey, that's the policy, but how are they going to come back and and use this against me later? Do you think, though, that it's really easier? I think it's easier to get the help if you ask for it. But if you don't ask for it, I don't think that help is that easy. Because hmm. I don't think that there's enough leaders out there recognizing the issues sure. and, and taking appropriate action. And what is appropriate action? Because every case is different. So the appropriate action is we have plenty of resources that we can use, right? Like, yeah, I know our armory has a social worker, even when we're outside of the armory, right? There's, there's usually a chaplain or um, being brigade staff. We actually have two behavioral health providers, right? So if a soldier comes up to me and they're like, Hey, you know, like things, things aren't, aren't right i'll try and talk to him but get him back down to center why don't you go visit with with this person or this person and if they kind of bucket a little bit okay well the person that i didn't tell you to go visit is the one i'm going to go talk to and be like hey check in on that that one and just see how they're doing do you think bh behavioral health bh yeah. is the term right do you think that still holds a stigma to it oh a little bit but only because there's old crusty ass people like us around where a lot of your newer soldiers grew up with that and grew up being able to talk about it and that kind of stuff and so that you know as that wave that wave of crusty ass salty dogs like us is going out that wave of a generation that grew up with it being more socially acceptable is coming in, you know, and then so where that, yeah, where I, know, two I know what hit. you, I know what you mean, mm -hmm. but being the old crusty guy and growing up in the decade or so of suck it up cupcake, we got a mission to do. Yep. Compared to now we're seeing, Oh, okay. You've got, You've got to deal with this. You've got to deal with that, which, yes, great. We have to deal with that. But does it become this thing where dealing with all these little issues that probably aren't as big of an issue? Like, I get it. There, there's real issues. And then there's I perceive as real issues. But does it make you feel that the incoming leaders, the leaders that will replace us, are going to be even softer than what we're trying to be now. And that's going to cause trouble in the ranks. Or do you see it all equaling out to the point where the younger generation has more knowledge and experience with this? So they're going to be able to deal with it better than you and I and still maintain a strong leadership and readiness to accomplish the mission. Yes, it's a cycle. And there's a quote by um, G. Michael Hopp. I want to quote it directly. So the quote is, G. Michael Hopp said, Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. So 
you see where it becomes this big circle, right? So we're kind of in the getting into that good times into the weak times phase, you know. So now we're we're gonna have to start cycling back through and start getting to be hard hard times, hard men. It, it makes sense. Looks like that's another mission completed. A 30-mile check ride in the bag. Hit us up, podcastefm at gmail.com. Or follow podcastefm on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Sergeant Bacon. And I'm Sergeant Seagar. As always, eyes forward. March. March. Time for some legal shit. The views and opinions expressed right here on EFM are that of our own. They do not reflect those of Creative Brain Candy or their affiliates.